0: Hey, folks, welcome to another episode of the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and proud to announce that we are featuring another interview. This week's guest is Rudy Racine. Rudy is a growth coach and the founder of Higher Learners. Higher Learners is a professional coaching and consulting company dedicated to helping organizations develop future leaders. Now, given Rudy's area of expertise, we spent quite a bit of time in our conversation talking about things related to career, how to stand out amongst applicants applicants. applicants, how to explain short stints at jobs on your resume, how to build a strong team if you're a manager or a leader in your organization. But we also got into a bunch of other topics like setting ego aside, choosing passion over prestige and the importance of always running your own race. I really enjoyed our chat. And if you enjoy it as well, please don't forget to rate, review, share and subscribe. So without further ado, take a listen. Rudy Racine, welcome to the December 26th podcast. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me, Delisha. I appreciate it. So happy to be here with you today. We're excited about this interview. I feel like I say that every episode, but I really am excited. But you're ge- yeah, very excited. Right now, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we want to talk about first the fact that you ran here. <laughs> first time I've had somebody actually run to an interview. So that's impressive. And that is making the most effective use of your time. How far did you run to get here?
1: A little less than two miles. I was excited to be on the December 26th <laughs> podcast, so I had to run here. You know, motivated.
0: I'm not hating on that. <laughs> anyway, tell us, who is Rudy Racine?
1: Rudy Racine is a career and leadership coach, uh, founder of Higher Learners, uh, inspiring motivational thinker, leader. Uh, I also work as a director of vocational rehab with uh, an organization called FedCap. We work with individuals that are receiving cash assistance from the city of New York. We help you find employment uh, and hold on to their jobs. Uh, Overall, I am an an individual that uh, is focused on positive action, inspirational action, and uh, abundance and prosperity. That's me.
0: Awesome. So it sounds like you have a very fulfilling job. Yes. What Um, inspired you to start Hire Learners?
1: So with higher learners, um, you know, I, I love to work with leaders. I love developing leaders. And um, as a coach with higher learners, I work with organizations to develop leaders and help them improve communication from the top down. Uh, as someone that's worked in leadership positions for over 15 years, I know how hard it is. You know, your ego gets in the way sometimes. Uh, you know, you have sometimes difficult employees and they can be extremely frustrating at times. And sometimes they it's extremely motivating. So knowing the plight of the leader and how how fulfilling it is for me when I work with a leader and I'm able to see that light bulb go off in their head uh, when they when they get it, when they can get an employee to go from being unmotivated or um, you know, just not passionate about what they're doing and turn them around into somebody that really wants to do what they want to do uh, within the organization and, and shine and thrive. Uh, it's a good feeling for me. So that's why I do what I do and I
0: love it. Okay. So when you say you're working with a leader, what does that mm-hmm. mean? What if you were pitching me on higher oh, level the services that you provide, what does that look like?
1: So I um I walk them through the leadership mile. So that's actually the book I'm working on. So be on the lookout for the leadership mile.
0: Yes. You got to get that plug in.
1: And, uh, mile is an acronym for me. It stands for motivate, inspire, learn, and empower. Right. So motivating. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read the book, the five love languages. Yes. So, um, in the office place, in the workplace, I feel like employees have five methods of motivation. Some people are motivated by contact, interacting with their supervisor or manager. Uh, some are motivated by acknowledgement. Some are motivated by rewards. Some by assistance. So if you really sleeves up and work alongside an employee, they, they, they're motivated by their leader. They want to work harder for you. And just time. Sometimes just having a weekly standing one-on-one appointment where they can kind of vent their frustrations, talk about their challenges. So working with leaders, the, the M part, the motivate part, is just helping them to identify what the methods of motivation are. Are for the people on their team, what their own personal methods of motivation are. So just like the five love languages, before you can uh, tell somebody how or show somebody how you love them, you got to know how you want to be loved mm-hmm. uh, and know yourself. Same thing as a leader. So being able to identify as a leader, what motivates you and what your approach is when you're trying to motivate others. And then when you know that, then you can take the time to work with a leader to identify what theirs, what their motivations are, what their methods of motivation are. And that is the first step to developing a healthy connection, uh, manager and employee, leader and follower. So that's just the motivate part. So I work with them on that part. As far as inspiring is concerned, uh, being able to communicate your why. I feel like a lot of leaders, especially the new ones that I work with, they get this title, right? And they they didn't have this title before. So they assume, all right, I got this title. Now you got to do what I tell you to do, right? right? And it's, it's so much more than that, right? You have to be able to communicate your why, the why behind what you want to accomplish. So... You heard that song. You down with OPP, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Robbins. <laughs> at OPP for me stands for Objective, Purpose, Then Process. Right. So, what are you trying to achieve? What's the objective? What is the purpose, and what's the why? Well, why do you want to do this? What What's going to come about from you achieving this objective? And when you know your why, and you communicate that why, it's at that point you can define the process, and people are more invested in it because they they know their why. They know the purpose. Uh, so. As I said, a lot of leaders have difficulty communicating their why. Uh, if if uh, an employee or a direct report questions you know, why are we doing this, they feel like their you know their ego comes in, get defensive, and they're like oh, you know they start grumbling. They don't know how to deal with that. So helping leaders to overcome that and kind of get out of their own head. And if you have a, a direct report or an employee that uh, that asks you a question about why we're doing this, yo don't don't, don't take it personal. Just tell them why, right? You know, and um, mastering that. So that's the the I right uh, the L in the Leadership model, stands for learning, right? So learning how to listen, learning uh, your employees. So many people listen to respond. So subjective listening, right? So you're having a conversation with somebody and they are so focused on what they're going to say back to you. Yes. That they're not really listening to what you say. So just it's, looking for that end. Yeah. So just sharing and training and working with leaders to develop effective listening techniques so they can be more of an objective listener. So listening to understand and being an intuitive listener. So listening beyond the words and being able to pick up on the feelings. Right. So if you're like, damn, man, I ran all the way over here. you know, I didn't say that I was frustrated. I didn't say I was upset, but you know, I, you can hear the frustration and the anger or the, 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 you know, those emotions in my voice. So if you are listening intuitively, you're able to pick up on that and be like, you know what, damn. That sounds like it's really upsetting you that, that that you ran over here, you know, and being able to validate that. Right. Yeah. I can see how you would be upset if you were supposed to be here at 10 o'clock and you got here at 10 or 9. So being able to pick up on those feelings is something that many leaders struggle to do. Sure. They are so and it, it, it's the ego again. Right. You get so stuck on the fact that you have this title and this, these people are supposed to be following you and you're supposed to be leading them to whatever the, the objective is. Sometimes you get stuck on that and you don't take the time to. Just listen to understand. You don't have to be the expert all the time, right? So that's the le- the learn part. And the last part is empowering, right? So when I became a coach, I felt like I was coaching for years, right? So my, my background, I worked as a recruiter. I was a career, uh, the director of career services. I did a lot of career coaching and consulting all the way back from when I worked uh, as a recruiter. And so one day I was, you know, I want to get certified because why not get paid for it, right? I'm doing this for for companies. Why not just start my own gig right. uh, and get paid for coaching? And I remember when I got certified the first day of that, that certification course, they were like, you know, a lot of people have the misconception that coaching is problem solving. Coaching is giving people advice. And that's like the, the That's so wrong. Coaching is empowering. Right. So you're not telling people what you should what they should do. Uh, you're asking open ended questions in hopes that they can kind of figure it out on their own, helping people move forward uh, without telling them what to do. They, they decide they, they know this the answers to whatever problems they're going through. A coach is just the person that is kind of having that dialogue with them, judgment-free and listening and, and asking open-ended questions to help, kind of help you move forward towards whatever you want to achieve. So the E in the leadership model is just teaching leaders how to empower effectively, how to, sure. how to define success so many leaders are stuck on qualitative factors of leadership, right? So, or of success. Oh, I want you to work hard. I want you to do better. I need, I need more results from you. All of those are qualitative, right? So if I say, I want you to work hard or harder, my definition of harder might not match your definition of harder. So that's right. a leader. If I have a direct report, I'm like, yeah, I need you to, I need you to do more. I need you to work harder. That employee might be like, all right, well, working harder is I need to stay for an extra 10 minutes. Where in my mind, working harder is I need this person to come in early, maybe stay late, or what have you? So that that dialogue between the the leader and the direct report, uh, when defining success, needs to move beyond those qualitative things and in, include quantitative things. Like you know, if, if it's if it's time, then you know I want to see you coming an hour early and, and stay an hour late in those days. On those days where you know where, where we're in a crunch, I want to see an improvement in your numbers by by ten percent. Right. So now we're both on the same page. So if I don't hit that ten percent, I know I didn't succeed as the employee. And and if you don't hit that ten percent. I can be like, you know, you hit 8%, which is great, but, you know, what, what were some of the challenges that kept you from, from hitting that 10%? We can have a, a healthy dialogue uh, that works or helps the leader to empower that that professional to kind of get over the hump and get to the next level. So that's the leadership model in a nutshell, right? So the M-I-L-E, that's where or how I work with leaders. And it's really understanding what the challenges are that they're facing. And uh, if, if we have to focus more on the M, the I, the L, or the E, we'll do that based on their needs and where they're they're struggling.
0: Okay, so I want to unpack some of that, right? But it's a great (laughs) answer because, you know, thinking about our our listeners, Mm. some people may think, oh, I'm not in leadership or I don't have a team. This doesn't apply to me. But I think a lot of this is transferable into into interpersonal relationships, people you volunteer with, trying to manifest your personal dreams, et cetera. And I know for a fact that people who identify as 26ers, are often loners because we do operate at a higher level of productivity. We just, our brains work a lot more quickly than maybe the average person. We're always 10 steps ahead. We know how we want things done. You may be a little bit obsessive and type A. So what I have found in dealing with my fellow 26ers, when I say, oh, well, who's helping you? Who's your village? Well, I don't have anybody because nobody works at the level that I do or people just don't get it, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think people have to be hardwired to start with a certain level of efficiency and diligence and commitment to really be able to be successful as an employee or a team member, or can that be instilled? Because I think some people, personally, I think some people just don't have the drive and that can't be taught, but I do think there are folks with untapped potential and it can be extracted out with the right support and communication with the right skills that you're talking about here. So what do you think the baseline is?
1: So I think anyone can mm-hmm. grow and and, and and achieve that level of, of discipline and, and achieve their their the success that they wanna reach, right? One of the workshops I do is the, the five keys to professional growth and development. And I got this from Tony Robbins. I went to a, a Tony Robbins seminar and he touched on all five of these and I think they, they really resonated with me. So now I, I kinda go out and, and I share these five keys with with um different organizations. And those five keys are feed your mind, train your body, find a mentor, develop your network, and always do more for others than you, you, you want for yourself, right? I love that. And um the reason I bring that up is because that's some of that stuff is hard, right? You need to develop a discipline, right? And um, you know, one of the things that I, I do now is every morning I listen to like a TED Talk, a, a, a Les Brown, T.D. Jakes, some, some type of motivational message in the mm-hmm. morning uh, to kind of get my day started. And that's not something I always did. But I, I know I want to be successful. And I'll talk a little bit about what success is for me later. But I know I want to be successful. And I wasn't at the level of success that I wanted to be at years ago. And I was like, all right, well, I, can't, I can continue to do the same thing. Or I can switch it up. And it's just like little changes. So one of those little changes was, you know, I'm gonna get a Bluetooth speaker mm-hmm. and I'm gonna put it in my shower. And uh, every morning I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna go to YouTube, find one of these motivational, you know, 40 minute, 30 minute talks. And I'm gonna put it on while I'm getting ready for work. And I can't tell you how how that little minor change changed so much in my life, right? So one of the things that, that resonated with, with me from listening to those was like, you win the if you win the first hour of your day, you win the day, right? And I'm I I can win like the, the third hour of the day. I'm working towards the first hour, but it used to be like the fifth hour. Right, right. so I'm getting better. And the, the point is like baby steps, small progress. And um to your, to your question, you know, can people do it on their own? Uh, I think it starts internally, but at some point you have to kind of get over that hump, and you need to build relationships with others. You need to find that mentor and also strengthen your network. And I, a story that I share that kind of illustrates that is um. I'll give you an example. And I've shared this on my podcast. There was a, a student, when I was the director of career services, I had a student that was in school for medical assisting, right? And um, she was in school for medical assisting. She was approaching the end of her program and she was working at Home Depot. So she came into my office. She was like, yeah, you know, uh, I was at work the other day and a doctor came in and we got to speaking about what I do, what I'm in school for. And I was telling him how I'm a medical assistant. I'm graduating soon. You know, I, I, I'm doing an externship right now and, um, you know, I'm looking for a job. And in that conversation with this customer at Home Depot who had just happened to be a doctor, you know, at the end when I was ringing him up or when I brought him to the register, he was like, here's my card. Give me a call. You know, I, I, I can I can definitely help you get that opportunity. Right. And now think about that. You are working at Home Depot. Mm-hmm. What are the odds that you gonna bump into a doctor that could potentially hire you? Right. Very slim to none. But now let's say this, this student. Was volunteering at a hospital. Let's say the student was going to different networking events with medical professionals. Right? What are the odds now that she bumps into a, a professional that can help her grow? Significantly higher. So when I say strengthen your network, you got to pay attention to how much time you are spending with the people that you're spending that time with, and determine, yo, how how much are how, how much of the people in my network helping me to move closer to where I want to be? And if if they're not. Then I'm not saying cut them off completely because I mean we all have friends that probably don't probably don't push us forward, right? Right. But um, you can monitor or manage the amount of time you spend with them. So it 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 starts with discipline and internally, and once you have figured out your. Habits and rituals. It's at that point then you have to look externally and say, all right, you know, who can I, who can help me get to that next level? And also remember the the last key to professional development is always try to do more for others than you do for yourself. So don't go there with like selfish intentions, like, oh, right. I'm going to try to get cool with such and such because you know such and such is going to help me get this job or help me you know start my business. Is well, what can I do to help such and such? And then in doing that, now we'll call them Jane. We'll call her Jane. Now Jane will help me to establish my business you know so that's it it starts with discipline and then you know beyond once you you discipline yourself then it's it's looking out around you to figure out what your circle looks like and what your circle needs to look like
0: and i talked about this in a recent episode Mm -hmm. when you make use of someone's time who's been where you're trying to go or can help you in some way look for the opportunity to be able to offer something because Mm -hmm. we all have something to give we all have something that can help someone else even though they are much farther than you so i i Glad you said that tip and uh, reiterated what I just talked about a few weeks ago. But with that point that you made about people sort of hanging out with those who are at the same level as them, you know, that Mm -hmm. quote, water seeks its own level. Mm -hmm. So I I think we do that because we're comfortable, number one. But also another reason, I think, is when you're hanging out with people who are farther than you, sometimes ego can get in the way Mm -hmm. and you start comparing your situation to theirs and saying, wow, they've got more money. They've got more professional experience. They're doing really dope things. And I'm just here trying to learn. So how do you suggest people sort of move beyond ego and comparison to really get or glean what they need from the situation?
1: I say run your race, right? So we talked about me running here. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I, I I, like to say I don't really enjoy running, there's one aspect of running that I love, and it, it, it relates to the question that you just asked, right? So oftentimes we compare ourselves to others. And I realized this, it was like three years ago, I was running th- this race, it was 15K, which is like mm, nine miles. Mm-hmm. And the first three miles, you know, I'm running with this group, shout out to Teamwork, uh, the group that I run with. And I'm running with them. And they were out. The race started. They were gone. And I'm over here trying to keep up. I'm looking at all the, you know, the back of their shirts with their names on the back of the shirt. I'm like, damn, I'm trying to keep up. And for the first three miles, I'm out of breath. I'm looking at all the people ahead of me. And I'm dying. Like, oh my gosh. And then finally, I was like, yo, sorry. <laughs> I was like, yo, I'm just going to run my race. I'm just going to chill. Y'all get ahead. And it was at that point that I feel like it just clicked. And I was able to compare or make the, make the comparison of life and, and running, right? Mm-hmm. So in life, we often look at the people that are ahead of us and where we're, we kind of beat ourselves up because we're not where they are, right? And we don't take the time to appreciate how far we've come because in that race, there were hundreds, maybe even thousands of people behind me, but I was not focused on them. I was so focused on the people ahead of me that I didn't take the time to appreciate how far I'd come. And then you know, even if I was the last person in that race, like there are people that are they feel like they are last and they don't realize that they are probably inspiring somebody else because at least they're in the race. you know. Right. So somebody that's the last person in the race, there's still hundreds, maybe even thousands of people on the sidelines cheering you on. And the fact that you are still going in your last place is motivating them. And next year, they might be in that race because of you. So you don't realize the impact that you have on other people. So going, bringing that back full circle, I guess, the advice that I give to people is just run your race. Yes, there will be people in your circle that are ahead of you that that you you may want to reach you know those levels. There may there may be people that are side by side and you feel comfortable running next to them because they're at your level. But you definitely want to push yourself outside of your comfort zone to an extent because when you do that, you grow. Like if you don't push your, push yourself outside of your comfort zone, you're not going to grow. And like in, in, in human beings, where where in life, if you're not growing, you're, you're dying, right? Literally. So. Always have to push yourself, even if it's a little bit outside of your comfort zone. If you're running, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna try to run a little bit faster for the next 30 seconds. Right? You do that every so often. Now you're gonna start to be able to run a little bit faster, your stamina is gonna build, you're gonna be able to endure more, right? Your day-to-day routine, for me, I'm gonna listen to this 10-minute TED Talk or 10-minute YouTube video in the morning. That that grew to a one-hour uh, ritual of every morning my Bluetooth speaker gets uh, a video that goes on, uh, and it's inspired and motivated me, and given me all these thoughts. When I'm in the shower, I get all these crazy ideas, and and Don't I'm the motivated. Best
0: ideas come in the shower. Oh man,
1: I, <laughs> I'm seriously thinking about getting a like a dry erase board to put in my shower. I'm so serious. I just got to figure out how to like not get it to erase or what. But yeah, if somebody, if there's an inventor out there, that's that's what you want to work on. I will be your first
0: customer. I'm just saying, I'd be down <laughs> with that too. Okay, so let's talk about running your race. Mm Figuratively. Did you just decide as a child I want to be a recruiter and a career coach? Like, how did you get into this space?
1: That's so interesting that you asked that question. So, I did not know what I wanted to do. And um, I tell people let every step in your career shape the next, right? So, when I was in college, you know, shout out to my frat brothers, Alpha by Alpha. I, even before I was Alpha, I was I was interested in being an Alpha. I remember the um one of the bros was like, "I want you to bring your resumes, bring your resumes to the to to our informational whatever." So I brought brought my resume, and I got my resume from my sister. Right, she she helped me craft my resume. Shout out to my sister, Regina. And um, so I bring my resume to this informational, and I remember the bro was like, "Yo, it's a good resume. Yo, I'm gonna send you my resume so you can kind of help help me with mine." and I think I helped maybe like six or seven bros that year with with their resumes, and I loved it. I loved just kind of helping people with their um, their resumes. Then I started working. My first job out of college was with Enterprise Rent a Car, and you know as much as I, I can't say I really enjoyed uh, working as a management trainee, you know, washing cars in my suit. But um, the one thing that I, I enjoyed, they had a really strong um, employee referral program, right? Okay. Where it was like if you refer one person and they get hired, you get fifteen hundred dollars. If you refer a second person they get hired, you get two. Two thousand dollars. You refer a third person to get hired, you get two thousand five hundred dollars. So I was like, "Yo, I, free money." If, if I get, you know, if I refer three people, I get a six thousand dollar raise. That's what I was thinking. So I was referring enterprise to everyone, and they would have they would get scheduled for interviews, and I would work with them to kind of prep them for that interview, and I enjoyed that. So when enterprise had a recruiting position that opened up, I was like, "Yo, I want that job." Not because you know, so often we focus on the things that we hate about our job. It's so easy to come home from work and be like, "Oh, I hate this. I hate this." This person gets on my nerves. But if you take the time to just list the things that you love or that you appreciate from your job or from the day, that will help you figure out which way to go, right? So I loved, as much as I hated washing cars in my suit, I enjoyed talking about interviewing for the management training program. I could spend an hour on the phone with you helping you Prepare for your interview. You want to be able to answer this. You want to be able to answer that. So when the recruiter position came up, I interviewed for it. I got hired. Um, when I was a recruiter, one of the things that I did was I would go to college campuses and I would work with college students and recruit them to start the management training program. And I would have these interviews, and some of these college students would bomb the interview. They would just—it would be a disaster. And I couldn't give them. I wasn't really allowed to give them feedback on how badly they were doing. Okay, but. You know, every so often I would want to like give them tactful feedback, right? Tact is the art of making a point without making an enemy. I didn't want to give them feedback, and then you know they turn around and sue me some or something. Wait, pause. You got to say that again. Yeah, that's a
0: good. That's a. That's, that's good. a. That's that's, a, that's one of my quotes.
1: <laughs> Tact is the art of making a point without making an enemy. Isaac, love that. <laughs> so yeah, so I would um want to give feedback, and so when enterprise around two thousand eight and eight, enterprise went on a hiring freeze, and as a recruiter, I wasn't doing anything. I was just kind of doing admin work until they decided to start hiring people again, uh, and I didn't feel as secure in my position. So, I started to look elsewhere, and the first place I looked was colleges. So, you know, I found out there was a college in New York that hired me as a director of career services because that's what I wanted to do next. I mm-hmm. enjoyed working with college students, I enjoyed spending time on college campuses, doing workshops for college students. So, it was only natural that my next step was working for a college. And then, next, you know, once again, letting every step in your career shape the next, I loved working with college students to help them find their career. And then I realized it didn't need to be college students, I love working with people to help them find their career. And I love being able to positively impact others uh, and help them to, to overcome obstacles in their career. So that led me to the position that I have now with FedCap, uh, where I I serve as the Director of Vocational Rehab Services. I work with individuals that are receiving cash assistance, public assistance Mm -hmm. welfare from the city of New York. And these people, many of them have fallen on hard times. And my program or the program that I I oversee works with these individuals to overcome the challenges and the barriers in their career and helps them to find employment and hold on to those jobs. Uh, So that's what got me to that position. And then Higher Learners just came about from just loving doing that, loving to work with individuals that are struggling or, or, or facing barriers or obstacles in their career. And I was like, oh, why do I have to do this for a company? I can do this for me. Absolutely. Uh, and the amount of effort and time that I put in, can, can I can reap the benefits of that by just doing it for my own co- company. So that's where higher Learners came about.
0: Okay. So we keep it all the way real yes. on the December 26th podcast. And I want to talk about FedCap mm-hmm. for a moment. Sure. Because you do, you're do you doing work and helping a population that I know it has to be fulfilling, mm-hmm. right? But you could have gone and been a recruiter or worked in HR at a Procter & Gamble. Mm-hmm. Or Goldman Sachs or or what have you. So what made you choose that route? And how do you reconcile that with being in New York City where everything's about where you work and what you do and what your W-2 says? Listen,
1: my ego is out the window. I want to say when I all right, So when I started with Cap, I actually took a pay cut. I was living in New Hampshire. So full story. After I, I started that director of career services job in New York, the president of that college recruited me to another college in New Hampshire. So okay. I moved. I was re- relocated to New Hampshire uh, to be a director of career services there. I lived in New Hampshire for three years. Um, as much as I liked the people in New Hampshire, the, the school I worked for was amazing. Couldn't see myself living in New Hampshire and starting a family in New Hampshire. So uh, I wanted to come back. I bumped into, I went to an event and the president, uh, the CEO of FedCap and the um, one of the senior vice presidents were at this event in New Hampshire. And they told me that they had just been awarded this contract in, in New York and, you know, I should apply. So I applied. The position that I applied for, they, they actually did away with. And they, what they did have was an assistant director position. So I took a pay cut, came back to New York as an assistant director, and um, it was just to come back come back home. They didn't relocate me. Like I literally, I was relocated to go to New Hampshire, but I came out my pocket. They were like, get here however you can. Yeah. (laughs) So like working for a nonprofit. And, uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but then that first year as an assistant director was tough, you know, financially it was tough. I was like, you know, I don't know. I had to take on a second job because I was not making the money that I was making. I was driving a luxury car in New, in New Hampshire. Oh. Insurance in New Hampshire was like $60 a month. In New York, insurance was like $260 a month. My car payment was crazy. So I was like, yeah, I got to figure this out. And so what was the second job? Second job. So I, I was like, um, you know, when I was in New Hampshire, I was a te- I also was a, a part-time instructor. Okay. Right? So I did uh, part-time instruction. So I was a, a, an instructor with Brooke, uh, Borough of Man and Community College. I taught night classes for them, right? So in the daytime, I'm working with same same population, right? So mm-hmm. daytime, I'm working with individuals that are receiving cash assistance, that need jobs. At nighttime, I'm working with individuals. Many of them are low-income residents mm-hmm. of New York City that are looking for training. And I taught a computer class for them at night. So it was just the, the sense of fulfillment that I got. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, the, the feeling absolutely outweighs the money. And I, I make good money now, mm-hmm. I'm comfortable. So, uh, you know, and I, I got promoted at, at FedCap. So I was an assistant director and I became a deputy director and I'm the director of, of the region, uh, the New York City region. So I've grown, you know, and uh, in doing what I do, you know, I do what I love and FedCap has rewarded me for that. And as I said, you know, in addition to what I do for FedCap, I have higher learners and I have a a nice chunk of business that comes from higher learners. So uh, at the end of the day, I'm focused on what I love and what I love is helping people. And that's the feeling that that helps me to go to sleep comfortably. I wake up in the morning motivated and, um, you know, that's
0: what I want to continue to do. Well, I'm glad you told that story because... I, I interact with, it. see, we, we bring that to draw it out here on the December 26th podcast, but I interact with a lot of 20 somethings and who are making decisions. And because I'm an attorney, oftentimes they come to me and they're like, I want to be a lawyer. And when I ask mm-hmm. why they can't really articulate why other than the prestige or the money. Mm-hmm. And there are very few people who will stay in a career path or stay at a job just for the money. If you're uninspired, you're stressed, Particularly with the law, right? It is incredibly stressful. If you're there just for the money, you're gonna be miserable or you're gonna burn out and crash and burn really, really quickly. And I think there is value in choosing a path that you love and allowing your skills to be enhanced there and to be developed. And then taking that and being able to do something else. Everybody's not going to be a billionaire off their day job or a billionaire period. But I do believe when you follow what you love to do and what you're gifted at, the path opens up and your eyes open up to other possibilities. To be able to monetize that, or just make sure you are comfortable. We all want to live in people who are like money isn't everything. I'm like, yeah, it's not, but life is a whole lot easier when you have it. Yes. So I don't discount that, but I just wanted you to speak about that because we, you know, here in New York, we know everybody with the big jobs and the crazy. hedge fund and what have you. But there's something to be said for those who are doing what fulfills them.
1: And I mean, it's 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 tough, you know, finding your why. It's that's probably one of the the, the biggest challenges in life. So I think. When you're born, I don't remember the quote. I have mm-hmm. to come back to you on that. But like the two two biggest uh, times of your life is when you're born, when you figure and out. when you figure out why, right? So I, I butchered that quote, but you get the point. Yeah. So I feel like I, I'm still, although I, I've come very close to figuring out my why, it was a challenge, and I'm still that 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 why is still evolving. And I think uh, a lot of people they listen to the whys of others, right? So my parents want me to be a lawyer. My yeah. parents you know, the pressure that your parents put on you, you see your other, your friends succeeding or you, you see your your friends working in positions that, that are prestigious or whatever, working for companies that, that sound great. Like I work for XYZ company. You know, if I, there was a period in my life where I was just like, oh, I would love to say I work for Google. Right. Mm-hmm. But then I, I could be working at Google and just, yeah, it's nice to say, but if I'm miserable, like, right. you know, who am I, who am I, you know, who's, who's happy here. Right. Other people are happy because they, they're talking to me because I work for Google, but I'm miserable, right. so you gotta focus on you first uh, in that respect. So I, I,
0: I'm, I'm, my ego is out the window now. I'm just doing it for me, right now. One of my favorite quotes uh, from Wayne Dyer's ego stands for edging God out. Mm. I believe yes. there's a divine purpose for all of us, but we get so caught up in appearances and what we think is the mm. right decision that we're operating from that space instead right. of looking to God or whatever you call that mm. that higher being to give you direction. For me, it's God, right? Yes. To give you direction about what's next. And I believe that we there is a plan for all of us. And if you just open yourself up to that and step outside of yourself and what you think is the right thing to do, that's when your world opens up. That's and so that's true. when you wake up every day with genuine joy and you move with confidence, knowing that you are walking in your purpose. You figured out why mm-hmm. you were born. Exactly. And I
1: think taking the time to just to, to, to sit, with, with that question like what 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 am I here for what's my purpose you know asking God what is my purpose mm-hmm. you know one, one of the things that I do every day it's oftentimes right before I eat but it counts you know i I say you know I thank God and I say you know help me to make decisions that have the most positive impact on my life and the, on the, the lives of others right every day that's one thing that is I'm constantly asking God for right mm-hmm. and I feel like subconsciously because I say that so often when I'm when I'm at work um when just anytime I'm anywhere, I'm not only thinking of myself, but I'm also thinking about what actions can I take that will have a positive impact on the people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing that, like sometimes you have an issue, you have a question that you don't know the answer to, and you go to bed and wake up with the solution. You, w- you wake up with the answer, and if you don't take the time to sit with that question um, and, and ask God for that answer, you know sometimes you you won't get it. You got to take the time to, to to sit with that and x out other people's judgments because right. oftentimes they influence, and that's why I say run your race. That's that's a biggie for me. Run your race.
0: I think I said run your race in an early episode too. I see, see we you go? we're We go. We on the same page. Yes. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about higher learners, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're managing FedCap and you're managing this enterprise Mm -hmm. and brand that you're building on your own. One thing that Demarcus and I, the producer of this show, always say is time is a limited resource, right? We all have the same 24 hours in a day. And you ran here, but Mm -hmm. I just going to be honest, I had to drag myself <laughs> at 7.30 this morning. Like I had a really tough week. We're working on a number of projects simultaneously as it relates to the podcast and the brand. And so I left the office yesterday and I was up late, doing things for that. And then it was time to get up, right? And get ready for today. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it, I just can't manage all of this. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning to find balance. How do you balance a personal brand and, you know, the, the day job that, that helps to sustain you?
1: Listen, my social life is taking a backseat.
0: Non-existent, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> um, so no, nah, I, um, I, I definitely don't go out as much as I, I used to, nor do I go out as much as I would like to. Uh, yeah. And I need to do that more. Like yesterday, I went to an after work event. And I, I probably should have been dragging myself out of here, but I was nervous for the podcast, so I, <laughs> I woke up. Uh, but like I said, you you know, you win the first hour, of your, win the first hour of your day, you win the day, right? So I'm, that's my goal. I want to be able to get to that point. I'm not there yet, uh, so I wake up, I try to do some higher learners work early in the morning. Okay. Uh, then I'll go to the office, do some FedCap work. Then when I get home, uh, I will walk the dog, try to do some higher learners work. That's harder for me because it's been a long day, right? Um, and then on the train. So what I do. When I first came, so I left out a piece of my story. I'll share oh, it. We
0: got to get to Yeah. yeah.
1: But um, when I came back, because I left FedCAP and came back to FedCAP. So there's there's a, a period there that I didn't discuss. I came back and I accepted a position with FedCAP as a deputy director in the Bronx, right? And I live in Brooklyn. Wow. So I did that strategically because I'm like, yo, that's a one, that's a one hour train ride to and from the Bronx. So what can I accomplish on the train for higher learners? When I'm on my way to work. Right. So I was reading books. I was writing articles. I was responding to clients on the train. And thank God, yo, MTA, as much as the MTA gets on our nerves, uh, Wi-Fi in the stations is a godsend. Right? It has
0: gotten a lot better, so,
1: thankfully. Yeah. So Wi-Fi has taken me to, to the next level. But uh, it started with just reading, I re- read on the train, read on the train to work. Try to read on the train. Home from work, even though it's been a draining day, you know, you try to read a couple pages. You know, don't be too hard on yourself. If I, if I read like three pages, that's three more than I, I probably would have read uh, on another day. So that's that's really how I balance it out. I try to, to fill in empty time. So I ran here because I'm running the, the Brooklyn Half Marathon, and I haven't been training, so I'm like, "Yo, where can I squeeze in some running?" And I was like, "Yo, this is the, the the podcast station is about almost two miles from from my crib, so I just ran it, and I'm gonna run to the gym
0: after this." So you, gotta you the got to maximize that. Yeah, that's what it is. So let me ask you this question: mm-hmm. How many TV shows do you watch? I don't. Thank you. <laughs> that was a loaded question, <laughs> but people ask me all the time, "How do you get so much accomplished? I just can't yeah. do what you do." And I'm like, "Listen, I don't judge." If that's your outlet watching TV, I don't judge that. But there's no way you can manage Mm -hmm. a reality TV show schedule and watching every show that comes on and do all of this. So my response to people was always no judgment if if that's That's where you want to spend your time and that's where your treasure lies. But you got to understand what the outcome is from that. I'm all about results. I'm not going to get results from watching seven hours of TV a week. It's just not going to happen. So I always ask people that question. So yeah, I mean,
1: and that that goes back into those five keys of personal Mm -hmm. and professional development, right? the first key is feed your mind. What are you feeding your mind with? So I can't watch love and hip hop. I can't, I cannot do it. You know, as, as entertaining as sometimes it, it, it like, you know, I have, been to places where people are watching and I get kind of sucked in but I can't do it for long periods of time because I feel like I'm poisoning my mind it's not it doesn't motivate me so I and no judgment on people that watch the show like I said it's entertaining as hell
0: right it is entertaining but
1: you know for, for what I'm looking to achieve that's not that that doesn't feed my mind to help me move forward right so you know and, and I'll tell you right now I'm struggling because as much as I don't watch tv I love basketball I love mm-hmm. to watch basketball so the playoffs now I get home and I'm like should I work? Do I turn on the game? And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna try to work while watching the game, but work doesn't happen. Right. The game happens. So um I think that the, the start, it's it's always taking baby steps, right? So if you are not where you wanna be uh professionally or personally, what can you do? What's one thing that you can do differently to help you move closer to where you wanna be, right? So if you watch ten hours of TV um a week. Right. What would it look like if you watched nine hours of TV? A right. Week, right. What, what's one hour that you would scratch out? What episode would you not watch? And then what would you do with that? That hour that you just got back? Uh, you know, what could you do positively with that one hour? Uh, it's, it's really breaking down your day, breaking down your, your routine and,
0: and forming new habits and rituals. Absolutely, and I mean I have my outlets. Like I love billions. I've talked about mm-hmm. that on the podcast. So I have like my hour of TV that I might watch a week. So we're not saying you can't ever press play on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, <laughs> but just don't make that your main. Thing. I'm a, uh, I like Marvel movies. Y'all should, be I see them? I have no not spoilers, no, no spoilers. No spoilers. I've but, already heard the spoilers, but I have not seen it yet. So, it's so funny because, like, when
1: I do say I want to watch a movie on Netflix mm-hmm. or on TV, I'll put on Netflix and I'm like, what do I want to watch? And I always watch, end up watching the same Marvel yeah. movie. It's like, I watch the same four Marvel movies when I do decide to watch a movie. Uh, rather than watching something new, I'm like, let me just watch Captain America 2 again.
0: And my but, problem is I just fall asleep. I do, mind. but I... <laughs> I never make it through the whole movie, though. It's the plight (laughs) of a hustler who's just managing many things. Like, when you finally sit down... Yep. To watch something or to veg out, you're just going to be God snoring like five it. minutes later. But I did, I did make it through Black Panther. I watched the entire thing yes. in the theater, so I stayed awake for that. I'm waiting amazing. for
1: it to come out on Netflix or something. And you didn't real-
0: see it? Oh no, I saw it. Oh, I was about I, to say we
1: took. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm the du- the director of educational activities and community service for my grad chapter in Alpha in Brooklyn, Brooklyn Alpha. Shout out! And uh, we took a group of seventy six. No, I'm sorry. We took a group of forty kids. And we rented out a seventy-six nice. person theater to go see Black Panther. That was an amazing experience. So I think that movie is is phenomenal. I think it, it, the imagery is awesome, uh, and and it's inspiring. So right. it, it makes people aspire to greatness and. That's the stuff that I like to watch.
0: And it shows that our ideas and our lens, the way in which we see things are bankable, Mm -hmm. profitable. It's not just a passion project. People will come out. There's a consumer. There's an audience for what it is that that we do. So shout out to the creators and the enterprising folks out there as well. Okay, so one question I definitely want to get in because I know that I get it a lot from other people. And I think you have the answer. So back in the day in our parents' generation, it was what people did. They, they, they got out of school, they found a job or if they went to college and they went to college and they started working and they worked at the same job for like 30 Mm -hmm. years. And that was it, right? That they retired and that's where they, they were. We are in a different day and age now where people do not stay at the same company forever. We bounce around a lot more. And that's fine, right? If you're building on your skills and you're creating a foundation and there are, these are blocks and stepping stones. But often there are a lot of folks, particularly millennials, who are still trying to figure it out and may feel a little bit directionless or people treat them as if they're aimless. So what do you say to the person that feels like a career vagabond? So,
1: loyalty to a company is overrated. I'll say that at first, <laughs> right?
0: Put it out there.
1: Um, and I know our generation, millennials, generation Y, generation Z, that we are listed as being ambitious but aimless, right? So, we want to be the CEOs. We want to mm-hmm. have that big time. We have no idea how to get there. And it, it goes back to just figuring out, looking at where you are. And listing the things that you enjoy, so that you can figure out what the next step in your career is. And the reason I say loyalty to a company is is, is overrated. I, I'll share a story with you. Uh, when I was with Enterprise, so as, as I said Enterprise, um, they they had the higher, they had some some, um, they had never laid off employees in their 50 years of existence. Wow. Up until about 2008. In 2008, the Great Recession. The first, yeah, the recession. Mm-hmm. That was the first time they ever laid off employees. Right and i'll never forget we had to communicate to to one of our employees and this is an individual that he just got engaged like maybe a week a week prior to us laying him off he was we celebrating the fact wow. that he just got engaged i think his his fiance was was pregnant um so all of this stuff going on in his life and we had to you know tell him that we were there was a reduction in workforce in here we had to lay him off right and i'll never forget the vice president that i worked for uh, he said rudy you know this sounds harsh but you know, at the end of the day, you got to put your feelings aside and you got to run a business, right? So, and I was like, I'll, I'll never forget this because I had, a, I had a Blackberry at the time and I, I would always put notes in my Blackberry. I wrote down what he said and I wrote, can I do that? And that the, the reason that story resonates with me is because oftentimes you know, our our, our parents' generation—they want you to be loyal to a company. Always stay with your company for 20, 30 years. Right, it's Yo, a the minute that company hits hits a speed bump, you're out. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry, man. We gotta, we gotta, uh, we have to cut our losses with you because we have hundreds of other employees that that need employment. So you got to focus on you. Yes, you can be committed to to this organization that you work for, but you also need to take the time to think of what it is that that helps serve your purpose, serve serve your why. Think about it. So uh, defining success, right? So when I work with leaders, I'm always talking about the importance of defining success uh, for your employees. Mm -hmm. And companies do a really good job of telling you exactly what they want you to do to achieve maximum success. We want to hit our, our, our revenue goals for this year so this is what you need to do right but how often do we do that for ourselves in our own lives our own key performance right indicators. like how, how yeah how often do we set our key kpis key performance indicators how often do we take the time to define success for us uh, and actually i host an annual vision board event and that's that's really what i try to start the year off with mm-hmm. you know a lot of my clients with it's it's defining success and you know at the vision board event this year I asked the audience, I said, if I were to tell you to walk to your destination right now, what would you do? And people were looking at me like I was crazy. I was like, we're going to walk to your destination. They were like, what are you talking about? What's my destination? They, exactly. If I were to tell you to walk to the Brooklyn Bridge, how many, if I, how many would go? They were like, uh, none of us. I said, if, if I were to tell you that if you walked to the Brooklyn Bridge, I'd give you a hundred dollars. How many of you would, would get up right now? A couple of people ro- rose their hands. If I said $2,500, a few other people ro- raised their hands. And then I said, where are you going to meet me? The Brooklyn Bridge is like three miles long. We're on the bridge. So the reason I share that story is because so often we don't take the time to fully define what it is that we want to get out of life, what we want to get out of our careers, what we want to get out of our, our relationships. We don't take the time, it's uncomfortable. Sitting down, think about it, you start to get uneasy, you start to get anxious, and you're like, oh, I'll think about it later.
0: It can be overwhelming. Right?
1: It's overwhelming. But if you if you make it a point to just say, All right, every day for 30 minutes, I'm gonna sit down, I'm just gonna think about it. And if I don't come up with the answer, it's okay. I thought about it. At some point, it'll come to you. Uh and I think for for millennials, for young professionals that are not where they want to be, uh, that might be getting pressure from their parents, from you know, seeing their other friends, yo, just just take the time to think about what it is that you really enjoy doing. If you're working at the mall, what do you like about what you do at the mall? Do you like the interaction with the customers? Do you like, you know, the telephone, you know, interaction that you have with customers, do you like being in the back office? Do you like managing people? Like those little things that you might enjoy, that 10, 15 minutes out of the day, if you like it, if you enjoy it, if it brings you satisfaction, work to magnify that, uh, and look for opportunities to magnify that.
0: So, do you think that people need to be, need to be prepared in this day and age to explain their short stance that they have bounced around a lot when they go into an interview?
1: So, it's it's uh, so I actually work with a lot of clients. So, uh, I also do interview coaching, mm-hmm. and um, I have to I, I work with individuals to communicate the gaps communicate the the, the 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 jumping around. Mm-hmm. And if you can speak to that confidently and if it makes sense to an employer, like it has to, they need to be able to validate like why. So let's say, for example, you jump out and this is off the top. So forgive me if, it's, if I butcher this example. Uh, <laughs> let's say you work at a company for one year, then you quit. Then you work at a company for another year, then you quit. Then you work at another company for another year, then you quit. So your resume shows three different companies, one year each. Uh, and now you're applying for your fourth company in four years. Um, when you're interviewing, that, that recruiter is going to look at your resume and they're going to be like, this this person is a job hopper, right? So now, yes, you definitely need to be able to tell that story. Because if you don't tell the story, then the assumption that you're a job hopper, that that perception is going to become reality. Right. So you have to add the, the details there. So you might say, you know, when I started with company A, um, you know, it was an amazing opportunity. And you know, while there, I realized that I really love doing, you know, uh, folding clothes. And I thought I was the best clothes folder ever. And while, while I was folding clothes one day, you know, somebody walked into the store and saw me folding clothes and they were like, I want you to fold clothes for my company. And they offered to pay me double what I was making. And that's what led me to jump to that next company. So company number two. So now that employer is like, shoot, if I was at that, if I was folding clothes and they offered me double and I love folding clothes, yeah, i would probably jump ship too. So it makes sense to the employer. You've added context behind your your first jump, your first ship jump, right? Now you're folding clothes and you realize that you not only like to fold clothes, but you like to teach other people to fold clothes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in teaching other people to fold clothes, you just happen to find an opportunity that includes folding clothes, but also teaching uh, on a grander level. Um, and it pays more and the company is, is more stable. So being able to communicate that not always, is not always going to make the employer feel comfortable with you. But at the end of the day, if you're able to communicate and add context behind your decisions, then you you stand a better chance of getting that offer. It's not always going to happen, but you stand a better chance than just letting them assume, yo, this person's a job hopper and they're going to be here for a year and leave. And, and one, one extra point that I'll put on that is when you when you get hired by a company, a lot of people think, all right, it's your responsibility to stay at that company. Yes, it is. But it's also the company's responsibility to keep you, to sure. make you feel engaged, motivated, and want to stay. when people quit their jobs, they don't quit their jobs. They quit their manager oftentimes. So, what you know, the, the manager can point at you and be like, oh, that person's a job hopper." But, yo, you know what, They're, his first three managers didn't do a good job of keeping him motivated. Connecting with him, making him feel like he had a place in this organization. And if he quits your job, you just were, you were just as unsuccessful as the first three managers.
0: People don't quit their jobs, they quit their managers. I love that. Okay, now speaking of hopping, you alluded to it before, but you hopped from FedCap and hopped back. Tell me how that happened. So
1: I was, it was September 2014. I was in a relationship and my uh, my ex was, her her law firm wanted her to do a rotation in Argentina and they offered to have her move to Argentina and they paid for me to go too. So uh, I left- I
0: don't love that law firm. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to put that out there. Yes. Continue.
1: So, um, so I I quit my job at FedCap um, and I moved to Argentina. I was out there for nine months, and for me to go there, I had to, you know, I was quitting my job, and I was like, you know, I can't, I can't go there and just kind of sit on my butt. I wanted to make sure that if I go to Argentina for nine months, I come back better than when I left. So I was like, I'm going to get my project manager professional certification. I want to learn Spanish, uh, and I want to start my business. And that's really nice. where Higher Learners came about. Um, so I was there for nine months and moved back and. I actually saw a position in New York. So I, was, I moved back to New York on May 20th, 2015. And there was a position that I was interested in. And I reached out to the the vice president, one of the vice presidents at FedCap for a letter of recommendation. And he was like, you know, what can I do to get you to come back to FedCap? And I was like, well, I don't really want to come back as an assistant director. I remembered. When I was struggling uh, salary-wise as right. an AD, so I was like, oh, I had to come back, you know, uh, in a higher level position. He was like, well, we just have, we just got this contract uh, and there's a deputy director position open. Why don't you interview for that? Interview for it. And a week after I came back from Argentina, I was working at FedCap again. Um, so, I mean, that in itself is, uh, you know, talks about just how important it is to kind of maintain strong relationships. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I would have, if I, if I left FedCap on bad terms, I probably wouldn't have had that opportunity uh, to, to kind of make uh, significantly more money than when I left. And, um, Yes, yeah, so I, that, that was it. So I maintained a good relationship with FedGap. Even when I was in Argentina, they were emailing, my employees were emailing me like, we miss you and all the stuff that was going on. And I just maintained a good
0: relationship with them so that when I came back, I had an opportunity. It's all about maintaining relationships and not burning bridges because the brand is what's most important. Yes. Even as a personal brand, you don't want to be the known as that person that detonated the situation yeah. before and, you left. And
1: I'll say working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, one of the things that I learned, the, one of the biggest things that I learned that stayed with me throughout my whole career is one of their founding values. And that's your brand is the most valuable thing you own, Mm -hmm. right? Your brand, your reputation, what people think of you when you walk in the room, uh, stands the test of time. So I, I make it a point to do my best to make sure that my brand is, is, is positive. And, you know, as I said, I, I inspire action. I motivate others. I, I try to help other people achieve their goals or help other people to achieve their goals. And, you know, that's, that's what I want people to think of, uh, of when they think of me. Awesome. Okay.
0: So tell me about a time mm-hmm. when you had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. A time
1: when I had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. You asked me this question leading up to the podcast mm-hmm. and I'm really thinking about that. I think The I'll share. I was gonna share one of the example, but I talked about it a little bit when I was uh, working as an AD at at FedCap, and I was uh, teaching, and I was teaching online. I'm not gonna share that example. I was so as I mentioned in my frat, I am the director of educational activities and uh, community service. And Mm -hmm. earlier this year, we had. we have an annual Martin Luther King Feed the Homeless event that we do on Martin Luther King Day and um, MLK Day of Service. And I actually had to fly to to Florida for a conference later that day. Mm-hmm. So it was a crazy day. We got food donated. We had a bunch of volunteers. We had all these toiletry bags donated. And I was on a, on a time crunch. And uh, I would just say like, that that was, it was an ordinary day for, for many. For me, I was struggling because I knew I had to be at the airport by right. three o'clock. Uh, although we got food donated, we had over a hundred you know homeless residents from the um, from the Bedford Armory shelter coming in for food, and we wanted to make sure we had shoes for them, we had food for them, we had clothes for them. So I had to really like step outside of my comfort zone, go out you know go out order food. Mm-hmm. I was at the Chinese restaurant across the street like two or three times. Probably not the best example, but I would just say that that, that was a hectic day and I, I had to to make it happen.
0: You know, you say it wasn't the best example, but I personally believe we can draw lessons from mm-hmm. any situation, right? Any story, anything that happens. And for me it's about ingenuity mm-hmm. and what I find with 26ers is we start something, we have this plan in our head and we're like, it's gonna go great. I can see I do it myself. I can see the vision. I know what it's going to be. And when it doesn't go exactly according to plan we are reduced to a level of frustration that is unimaginable It's because we're, we're control freaks. We like everything to be in order. We want our, our eyes dotted and our T's crossed. And sometimes we're not flexible in the moment and we can't, Think on our feet, but you can apply that even to larger situations, right? When you don't have enough, and you've got to figure out how to make it enough, you've got to figure out how to stretch or get creative um, to make sure that you're meeting whatever goals that you set. So, I think there are lessons to glean from that as well for being extraordinary on an ordinary day. See, it's, it's all it's all teachable. They're all teachable moments. Okay, so what does success look like for Rudy? Success. Um,
1: I want to say success for me is. It's a feeling of fulfillment. M- one of my absolute goals, and uh, it's a goal that I'm I'm starting to share more, and because there was a period in my life where I was like I didn't want to share it with anyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is something called the the giving pledge, right? The giving pledge. It was uh, Warren Buffett and uh, Bill Gates. They made the giving pledge, and that's basically when you are you've reached billionaire status, and you've committed to donating half of your wealth. To charity or mm-hmm. to 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 the less fortunate, and I want to be able to say like success for me is reaching that point where I can make the giving pledge, right? Because um, I, I I would want to say I want to I would tell people I want to be a billionaire, but then I'm like oh, I want people to think I'm greedy because <laughs> that's like so far from the truth, right? And I want to be a billionaire not because I want to have money, but what frustrates me often is like when friends or family will reach out to me because they're raising money for for some charity. And, yo, know, they caught me at the wrong time. You know, right. like, oh man, I ain't got money, Or I, I can only give 50 or hundred dollars and I would love to give more. Like this, this, this mission or this, this, this charity speaks to me and I want to give more, but I can only afford to give X amount of dollars. So, um, success for me is being able to give without thinking of myself, right? Thinking of how much money I have in the bank? Right. How much you know? How much time I have? Uh, to, uh, where I can give uh, requests off? Like how much vacation time I have? go. Mm-hmm. Well, nah, I want to be able to go on a trip? Whenever? Like when I when I you know when I've achieved my level of success? That's when I'm married. I have my kids, and we can go on vacation whenever we want without thinking about it. When somebody asks me for for for. A donation or something like that, I can give without even thinking about it. I can uh, hear somebody's passion and their dreams and I can help them uh, without, you know, if it's financially, I can help them financially, but also, you know, w- with my knowledge and my coaching ability, I can help them through the thought process. But I would love to be able to also, you know, have an incubator where if somebody has an idea that can impact others, I can also contribute and invest in their business uh, financially as well, uh, beyond just, just thoughts and nuggets and empowering words. Um, so, yeah, that that's success for me. Just being able to to have total control
0: over my day, my time, uh, and my decision. Amen to that. So I'm throwing another question. Go in. for it. Whose story do you draw inspiration from? Ooh, um,
1: I have so many. So Barack Obama, uh, Will we Smith. Yes. Oh, we, <laughs> we miss you, Barack. <laughs> Uh, so Barack Obama Will Smith Les Brown um, T.D. Jakes uh, Tony Robbins uh, all of them have fascinating stories right so t- Tony Robbins uh, his mother was abusive mm-hmm. and he was almost homeless but he was able to succeed Les Brown um, I don't think he had more than a high school education uh, but he's a multi-millionaire right now he impacts so many people uh, Will Smith um, you know he was in West Philadelphia born and raised on the playgrounds where he spent most of his day <laughs> So, um, but now nah, Shout out I,
0: to the nice
1: kids. We <laughs> y'all love fresh if, you, if you got the reference, <laughs> uh, sing along. But, um, so Will Smith, I, I love just, you know, if you follow him on Instagram, that's what I want to I want to be able to do. I want to be able to just live my life and inspire others through my actions. Uh, his, his scuba diving story, it's actually so similar to my scuba diving story. It's crazy. Uh, I wanted to scuba dive. I can't swim. Mm-hmm. Put my head underwater. I was like, deathly afraid. <laughs> uh, but, and, you know, sometimes our, our, Biggest successes stand on the other side of fear, uh, and when you can overcome that fear, you, you you feel a sense of fulfillment. So those those are the people that inspire me. Those are the people whose stories inspire me, and I hope to one day be one of those individuals that where my story inspires others to act and uh, do great things. Because even if I'm not that, if I'm not able to make the giving pledge, it's possible that the people listening on the listening to the show weren't aware of the giving pledge. Mm-hmm. And if two people on this show listen and become billionaires and make the giving pledge, then, you know, it's, it started with me and I feel
0: good about that. Absolutely. And one of my favorite Will Smith quotes, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, I'm not the most talented guy on the planet, but I work really mm-hmm. hard. Yes. And I think we all look at leaders and icons and just think they're so gifted. I wish I had that, not mm-hmm. realizing how much time, how much blood, sweat and tears went into being masters of their craft. you got to yes. put the work in. There's no way around that. So tell us, before we wrap up here today, where can people find you online? You can find me in so
1: many different places. So I have my own podcast as well. Shameless plug, uh, the Higher Learners podcast. Um, I'm on Instagram at Higher Learners. Follow me at Higher Learners. And that's H-I-R-E, right? Yes, H-I-R-E, L-E-A-R-N-E-R-S. Hit me on LinkedIn, you know. Rudy Racine is my name. You can also go to the, the Higher Learners website. So at this very moment in time, the website is under construction. So don't judge me, please. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, you can find me www.higherlearners.com. Facebook, like uh, the Higher Learners fan page, as I said, LinkedIn, Instagram at Rudy Racine or at Higher Learners. Um, you know, I'm all over the place and you know, you can reach me
0: just by searching my name. Google me. <laughs> Google me, baby. <laughs> and when does the book come out? Good question. Um, So I can hold you accountable? um, Yes, please (laughs) do. Ideally,
1: 2019. 2019 Leadership Mile, be on the lookout for it. Um, Working on it, I have an editor, finally. And I just got to sit down and and write
0: the words. Just actually put the words on paper. Well, I believe in you. You can do it. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with me on this fine Saturday morning. Oh, Delisha, it was a pleasure. Was a pleasure for me too. I really enjoyed it, and now I got to come on the Higher Learners yes, podcast. Yes, you must. We'll make must. it happen. Yes, we do. So, listeners, make sure you go out there and find Rudy online. Check out the Higher Learners podcast. Look for that book. Give us the title one more time. The Leadership Mile 2019. It will be out. And do not forget to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care.